You anoint my head with oil. I just, now I just feel a bit of a Holy Spirit time this morning. And um, in the Bible, when something is a little bit mysterious, the Bible, Jesus, God moves into metaphors and pictures. And um, some things are a little bit hard to explain, aren't they? Um, Jesus says about our relationship with him. Ooh, that looks nice, doesn't it? Uh, John 15, if you want to go read it this week, fantastic passage. He is the vine, we are the branches. You get this sense of us having to be connected. Everybody say connected. Connected to God in some way, in a very real and vibrant way. Um, we are, now, you can't see that connection, can't, can we? We, we? we don't see ourselves as a vine, but this is how Jesus describes it, that the sap of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit, needs to be moving through our lives. And John 15, if you look at it, it kind of says incredible stuff like, if you get yourself in this position where he is the vine, we are the branches, and we're receiving from him, you can ask for anything and it will be done. It's, it's wild stuff. Get there and you can ask for anything. I mean, while some of us are just trying to make it through, he actually wants us to flourish. While some are hoping that God would just do their dream, he's saying, I want to give you more than you can ask or even imagine. I mean, I can imagine some wild stuff. Anybody in the room? I wonder if some of us are slightly giving up on our dreams and settling for what we deserve. When actually, if we get ourselves in this position, we can have what he deserves. We can have the blessing that God's lined up for us. Something that is so much more than what we deserve or we could ever earn. You get this incredible picture of us remaining in a vine. How do we do it? I want to open up some more pictures. How do we have God stirring inside of us? Anybody need that? I mean, anybody a bit bankrupt, a bit alone, a bit lonely, a bit confused, a bit dry, you need something of God to be stirring inside you. Her. He gives us these pictures of the Holy Spirit. And um, now, we've got to work with this because the Holy Spirit is a bit of a mystery. So some people struggle with this concept because um, you're a person in a body, but God is a person without a body. And therein we're different. See, we, we talk about the fact that we're made in his image. And we are. There's so much that is alike. But something that is very different between God and us is that we are in a body, in a, literally in a tent. But God on this earth, Jesus is sat down at the right hand of the Father. God on this earth is here as a spirit. So he is here without a body. Somebody turn to the person next to them and say, weird. But here's where the human pictures have to go into mystery to grasp the things of God. Because while we are a person with a soul in a body, God is a spirit without a body. The only body he has on earth is us, the body of Christ. So here we are as human beings, so used to this fleshy life, so accustomed to the fact that a person is packaged in a body, but God is not packaged in a body. He wants to come to you as a spirit and live in you powerfully to transform your life, to heal you, to restore you, to empower you, to lift you, to enjoy intimacy with you. That's our God. But we have to grasp the things of the spirit and they're mysterious. So at this point, we go into pictures because, and, and, and Jesus did it, so I'm not going to feel bad, because sometimes 
when people use pictures, I kind of, the, the little bit in me that wants to be a forensic go, just tell me in plain words. And I'm like, well, the only words are really theological, so it is better to use a picture. But I sometimes think, look at Jesus and how he ministered. When he spoke in the Gospels, almost he would leave things slightly mysterious because it would capture the heart, not just the head. He'd create a longing in you to go, I don't quite get it. Has anybody ever gone through stuff? And There's some basic things about Christianity and you'd never admit it to the person next to you, not even your husband or your wife. But it was only 25 years in that you went, oh, I just got it. Everybody else, everyone else in the room knows it except for me. And there are many things in the kingdom where you get 20 years and you go, ah, oh, now I know what you mean with all those funny pictures. I get it. God, give us the I get it moments with the Holy Spirit this morning. Is that okay? So let's just talk about the Holy Spirit for a minute. Um, he, he, he's, he's, he wants to come to us. How do I get God into me? Well, God says he's like food to eat. Just work this one through. We have to work out how our souls can eat God. Now you might go, oh, no, no, I don't like this. No, they didn't like it in John either. It's why a lot of disciples left Jesus because he started saying things like, eat my flesh, drink my blood, okay? You actually, if you want to stay religious, just let it be information in your head. But if you want to know the power of God, you have to work your mind and your heart and your soul around this metaphor that somehow I can eat God. I remember once in a dream, I found myself lying down and I was resting my head on an angel. How cool is that? It was only a dream. I'm not saying it was real, but it was really good. And I'm lying there with my head on the lap of this angel. And, uh, and, and Jesus walked up to me with a big piece of bread in his hand. And he said to me, eat this. It will make you a man of God. And instantly my mind went, even in the dream, to the scripture where it talks about the bread of his presence in the tabernacle. And I knew if I eat his presence, if I somehow learn how to take his presence into me, he's a spirit without a body. If I can say, Holy Spirit. Now remember, if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'll never give you a stone. I'll never give you a scorpion. I'll never give you a snake. If you ask for my Holy Spirit, all you will ever get is my pure, loving, gracious, kind, Holy Spirit. So when we have these spiritual interactions with God the Spirit, the same one that we sing of, good, good father, we get it. It's a metaphor we can understand. But when he comes and says, eat me, he went, eat me. Was it Little Shop of Horrors? Feed me. Suddenly Seymour was standing beside me. Sorry, wrong film. Eat me. So we consume God, we take him in. And then he uses things like drink me and be immersed in me. Somehow we can take God into our being and it transforms us. It's the pictures of bread. It's the picture of water. Spurgeon said this, listen to it. The greatest task of my day is to nourish myself on God. Oh, I've got to say it again and feel it. Don't just hear it, feel it. The greatest task of my day is to nourish my soul on God. As I eat God and drink God and bathe in God, I'm transformed. And you cannot chalk that on a blackboard. I cannot give you much more than metaphors because Jesus did the same. And something in our hearts needs to rise and go, okay, if that's all you're gonna say is bread and water 
and baptism and immersing and bathing and wash my feet, wash my feet of the muck of the world that makes me so dull. We've got to wash ourselves in God, amen? It does something. Another one he said, he says, the people of the spirit are like the wind. Oh, I like this. Where, where wind surfers catching the breezes of God. How do you move with God? How do you have your life transformed with God? Somehow you have to stand in the breezes of heaven. The breezes of heaven are going to blow through this place. Now remember, it's like the wind. It's not a wind. It's a metaphor. It's a picture. It's a type. And we have to learn to stand. Now, in Genesis 2, I think it's verse 7, uh, uh, God makes man. Then remember, he, he, he kissed him. He breathed the life of God into him. And at that point, it says, and man became a living being. At the end of the book of John, we find Jesus with his disciples. And it says, he breathed on them or he blew on them. He went, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Who needs a bit of from God this morning. Come on, get your wind sail up. Say, okay, God, I need a bit of something. I need a bit of acceleration. And, and John 3 verse 7 says this, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There are invisible breezes from heaven. Metaphor. The Spirit can brush across your life give you direction, instruction, empower you, and suddenly something changes. Anybody need the breath of God for parenting? Every parent's hand in the room went up. See, I think we think about it for preaching, but what about for parenting? You know the Spirit of God knows more about accounting than you do, knows how to teach a better classroom than you do, knows how to lead a business and make money more than we do. Can you imagine it? If we said, God, would the breezes of heaven help me to write a song, to balance my books, to sort out my debts? There's an invisible breath of God. And we just go, God, it I doesn't make sense, but when you breathe on me, ideas come to me that I didn't have. Just, and anybody got into the habit of when you lose something, you ask God first, not after three hours. Just say, God, where is it? Help me find it. I've started to do that a lot, and I find again and again, oh, it's, it's right where he said it will be. It's in that red box. I searched it once, empty it out. Oh, there it is, right? That's my son's bedroom. You, you need wisdom from God in my son's bedroom, I can assure you. The breath of God for everyday life. See, if you've got a scarcity mentality, you think you're going to wear him out, so you can't pray for a car park space. Anybody do that? I can't ask for that when there's all of Africa to be saved. There's all of Great Britain to be saved, for heaven's sake. But the Holy Spirit won't wear out. He knows how to bring up your children. He knows how to help you through everyday life. Well, how do I have this God in me and around me and through me and in my mind? Somehow you stand in the breezes of heaven and something changes. Remember the story of John Conrath when he took his young 14-year-old son to Uganda, I think it was, and on the way there, the young son said, look, look, Dad, you're the evangelist, I'm the 14-year-old son, don't, me, don't get me to do anything weird. Just, you have your, I'm just happy to be with you and see the sights. And then there's one evening in the crusade, God said to Jonathan, call the blind people out, and 15 blind people came out, and then God said, get your son up to pray for them. And he's like, oh, well, if I ask him quietly, he'll just say no. So publicly he goes, 
coming out. I can't remember his name now. I can't remember which son it was. Coming out here. So embarrassed the son has to come out. God says you're to pray for these blind people. Well, dad, what do I do? You know, can you imagine a little rolling of the eyes and a bit of teenage huffiness about the whole thing? And Jonathan said this, just stand and close your eyes and listen to these words and receive the Holy Spirit. And when you feel him, pray and give it some welly. And he said, I saw as my son closed his eyes and put his hands out. And you could see the moment the Holy Spirit fell on him. See, these are very real things. He could see the moment the breezes of heaven started to blow across his little soul. See, it's, it's very individual. We, you can be sat next to each other in a, in a meeting and one's feeling the breeze, the other's feeling nothing. Because it's very personal, which is why it's your own journey of intimacy. And he said, I saw as my son was touched by the Spirit of God. Then he opened his eyes, prayed over the 15 blind people, and they all saw. What miracles awaiting the other side of, hang on a minute, I'm just gonna stand in the breath of God until God gives me not my life, but his life. The wind of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Fire. The Holy Spirit's like fire. I don't know about you, I need many igniting moments in God. The Bible talks phrases like this, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Fan into flame the gift of God inside you. Why do you have to fan it into flame? Because there's fire extinguishers in the world. Anybody ever noticed? I went, I went to the movies yesterday. I went to the movies. I went to the flicks. I went to the bioscope. That's really old. Nobody calls it bioscope anymore. Went to the movies. Watch Shazam. No, yeah, not, no, big mistake. But anyway, look, that's not my message at all, but don't bother. Um, take it as my review. <laughs> um, but I'm there, and I'm watching. Have you ever had this? You'll know what I mean. I'm pretty, pretty sure. So it's, it's on the various screens that come up before with, you know, logos and all this kind of stuff. And then there's a word, and it was something like Dolby Surround Sound came up on a black screen with just white writing. It said Dolby Surround Sound. And at this moment, I was getting bored. Um, you know, so by this point, I was already closing my eyes. I was only on the opening credits. Uh, I, was, I closed my eyes, and as I closed my eyes, I could see on my eyelids Dolby surround sound. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't a vision from heaven. It was an imprint and that can stay with you. Do you know this world has imprints on our souls that stay with us? You listen to a TV program with a lot of swearing. What you've could anybody ever get an imprint in their head going, good heavens, why is my reaction that? that? There's, there's, there's an imprint of, uh, <laughs> anybody watch too much news? I do. I have to, every now and then I have to go through my phones and get rid of all the news apps because I just sit there looking at it so much. And it's not just Brexit. I mean, that gets on my nerves anyway, Brexit. right? But what about every now I just, I just, I've had enough of looking at horrific headlines of the depravity of humanity. And you sit there going, oh, I don't even want to, I don't even want to read the headline of this stuff. The sexual impurity, the mess, the confusion that the world is in. And what does it do when we keep looking at it and looking at it and looking at it? It leaves an imprint. And slowly we become dull. They're fire extinguishers of fear and worry and concern and irritation. It's not enough to be caught in the causes of the world. You need an imprint from heaven, not from hell on our souls. Because if you spend all your day looking and listening to the nonsense of the world, you'll find my fire is extinguished. And you feel it, come on, you go somewhere spiritual, Sunday morning service or a prayer meeting, you can see those in the room that are suddenly in a spiritual environment gone, oh my Lord, I'm an empty barrel. 
and I'm scraping to keep up with those that have obviously come with full barrels. You know the feeling, I know the feeling when you go, oh, heavens above. There's been an imprint on me and it's extinguished the fire. I need reigniting. Almost every day, I need to say, God, put your blowtorch. Metaphor, picture, it's not really a fire, like a fire. But God, give me passion and purity. You see, if, if your prayer life is struggling, most often you don't need a better plan. You need a fire. You need something inside. God, give me the want to. Change my want to. God, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Change my want to. And it comes from ignition in the presence of God. God, do something in me and around me that changes. Forgive me for the imprints of the world on my soul. I don't want to close my eyes and just see the filth of the world. I want to see the wonders of heaven. How's about looking at Jesus so often that when you close your eyes, you still see Jesus. Imagine where your world will be at. He's like a fire. But how's your fire this morning? Isn't that what we Pentecostals used to say? How's your fire? Oh, let's get back to those days. No, let's go forward to even better days. How's your fire? Right? Something about the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't want to be. And if you're scraping the barrel this morning, we have all been there. Leave this room full, overflowing. And make some practical plans to imprint more of heaven on you and less of EastEnders. More of heaven and less of Brexit. Come on. Come on. Because it's not, it's, the news isn't truth. They're just selling you stuff to addict you to watching. They're just trying to get your stress hormones to ignite because it makes us addicted. Most of the headlines in newspapers aren't even truth. We have a book here that is truth that will ignite you again and again and again. And he wants to breathe across the pages of the book. Don't fall for the nonsense that's going on in the world right now. Preaching good. And then lastly, he's oil. I thought I'd go for a modern oil lamp. But you know the, the old ones you've got? You've got oil. Imagine it would be terracotta, wouldn't it, if we go back far enough to, to the eastern part of the world, terracotta bowl and oil in it and this, this wick that's, that's burning. The Holy Spirit is like oil. Psalm 23, I preached it the other day. You anoint. Oh, there's something on this. Just start to receive even right now. You anoint my head with oil. It's a, it's a metaphor. It isn't really oil. It's like he is like oil. He's a person, but without a body, he is like oil and like fire and like water and like bread. Okay? This is why the anointing with oil is so important. Because it pictures us again and again, this is what God's like. Now, oil, I've got some oil here. It's going to get messy in a bit. Forgive me for walking into the dark, people on live stream. Ooh, open that for me, Chris. Um, he's, he's like oil. Now, that means, understand this about God because he's different. We're contained to a body, God's not. God is completely transferable. Work on it because it really hits our Western minds and we go, oh, how can a person be transferable? That's because he's a spirit. John 4, God is spirit. Okay, so he, that's why the laying on of hands works. Because if I've got oil on my hand, if I've got God on my hand, ooh, I've taken rather a lot. I'm going to have to give you some, Chris. <laughs> see, now Chris has got oil. You see, this is why in 1 Samuel 10, 
it says Saul was walking down the street and he met a procession of prophets coming down from the high place and the Holy Spirit was on these prophets and then the Holy Spirit leaps off them onto him and it says the Holy Spirit, that's, that's the proper smell. Come on, let go. Yeah, you can see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to touch it. Nobody wants to get dirty. And that's, James won't mind. He'll be all right. Steve won't mind. He'll, be, he'll, he'll have lots. He'll be on the floor in a minute. See, now, God is like oil. See, why do we join together on a Sunday morning? Because you kind of go, wow, I'm getting a bit low on the oil. I need to be around people with oil because he transfers but if I get around someone who's on fire it's the same principle isn't it how do you build a fire you put fiery logs together you tend your fire and it lasts longer you tend your fire and it's bigger you stay alone it's going to extinguish you pour you 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 smother it with the dust of the world it's going to extinguish but you get around other fiery branches suddenly you walk out living different not scraping the edge of the barrel but no i'm full of god i'm bigger than what faces me that's what the oil of heaven does it's a metaphor picture like oil he's not oil he's like oil you need fresh oil he's transferable john g lake used to write uh, books and pamphlets and send them out. It's a great healing evangelist. We're going back quite, quite a bit in time, but as people would receive them in the post, because he would pray over them before they went out, people would literally fall under the power of the Holy Spirit when they opened the envelope. People would get healed just as they touched the leaflet. Why? Catch this. God is transferable. This is why people are more likely to meet God when they meet you. That's why at the core of the gospel, there's go. Why? Because if you go, I'll put the D on the end and it'll be God. Okay, the only way God goes is through us. Go and do what? Just be salt, light, yeast, and you won't be able to help yourself, but they'll be transferable. People will be touched because they're just around you. God's here this morning. I can feel his presence in this place. Now, why do we need oil? Because we're drawing to a conclusion. Are you with me? Why do we need oil? Well, number one, it's for protection. This is what this, the, the symbolism in the, in, the, in, in the Eastern world was. If you go back a thousand years, the oil protected them from the heat of the sun. Can you imagine? Work with me. When it says you anoint my head with oil, it's in the part of the pa- passage where he's, God is giving you a banquet in front of your enemies. You've just come through the valley of the shadow of death. And now God said, you come out onto this plateau and here's this banquet. And God's saying, right, you've, you've come through. Let me anoint you with oil and let me pour you a really big glass of Coca-Cola <laughs> or whatever. And you sit down and God anoints you, your skin. Listen, this is what I felt people were like today. And this is, we need oil. Your skin is dry and cracked and irritating. And there's bits of sand. Come on, anybody been to Bridlington lately? sand between you I grew up on beaches I still hate the sand between my toes so take yourself to an eastern mindset it's when you come in a little bit sunburned overwhelmed by the sun and the day and the host would rub oil into your skin and you go oh that's better ease protection and the other reason that we have oil is for passion You see, look at the oil lamp now. This is what I felt for this morning. We all want to burn for God, don't we? But if you burn in the wrong way, you'll burn out. 
people, there's many Christians that are driven by causes, but they're not driven by God in the cause. They, they irritate all of us because they all want us to join their cause, but it's just their cause. Wesley said, I set myself on fire and the whole world came to watch. But you have to set yourself on fire in the right way. It's not just human passion. You see, look, what's happening here is actually the wick isn't burning. The oil on the wick is burning. See, if you try and burn without oil, you'll burn out. But if you get soaked in the oil of heaven, it won't actually be you that's burning. It's God on you that's burning. And you'll become like Moses saw, that burning bush that was not consumed. Why? Because God was burning himself. It wasn't, I'm filled with passion. Look how great at prayer I am. Look how good my self-discipline is. No, somehow oil is on my life and he is burning. I've got thoughts. I've got dignity. I've got strength. I've got longings that are way beyond me. I've got passion. I can't even understand why. Because I'm not really burning. He's burning in me. Listen to this scripture. Oh, I love this. Where is it? Come back to me. 1 Corinthians 15 10 but by the grace of God I am what I am Paul says and his grace to me was not without effect listen to this word I worked harder than all of them yet not I but the grace of God that was in me See, let the grace on you burn. Let God in you burn. Let your friendship with God burn. Let the sap of the kingdom burn. He wants to burn in you. It's not a passion born of yourself. You will burn out if you do that. 1994, I've been in ministry four years. I was already burned out. Why? Slightly wrong posture trying to be busy. Trying to look like a man of God, but not having the internal posture of a man of God. Trying to keep up with those whose oil was burning instead of them burning. And I'm looking, how do they do that? It's because it's the oil that burns. So there I am now, exhausted, weary, trying to do good for the kingdom. Trying to keep up with passionate, spirit-filled people. But while I was spirit filled, I did not have the adopted posture of how to activate the spirit moving in my life. Does that make any sense? So there I am, 1994. I loved God, but I'd had enough of Christians. Anybody ever been there? I wanted to buy a, a log cabin by a lake, get a very big dog and teach it to bite charismatics. Anybody ever been there, right? I love God, but the Bible, not so much. Every time I opened it, it was Leviticus. What's going on, God? You've been cruel to me? I like the idea of God, but I was weary. I needed oil. November 1994, little old lady prayed for me in this, in this big meeting. Not a lot seemed to happen, but that was a Saturday night. Sunday morning, I remember I was leading worship on the keyboard, and halfway through communion, the Holy Spirit hit me. I fell off the piano stool and started laughing under the piano. And I laughed and laughed and laughed, and I was overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. For 10 days, I could barely do a thing as the oil of heaven started to flood me and I realized it's supposed to be him that burns, not me. I am just a man. But when divinity floods the dust of who I am, there is a burning one on the inside of me. Oil, there's oil in this room this morning. Who needs it? Who's thirsty for it? Well, I'm here with an oily hand and Lamia's gonna get her pad going. Come on, get your, get your pad going in a minute because we need the oil of God yeah come on now hmm. listen to this sorry everything's oily now oh well the spirit and the word oh, I love 
love it. It's had so much of that oil on it over the years, I tell you. Song of Songs. You know, at the beginning of Song of Songs is his first, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That's about God wants to kiss you this morning. It's another metaphor. And listen to this. In the, in the, the notes of the Passion Version, it says the spirit kiss is what made Adam, the man of clay, into a living expression of God. Dust and deity met when the maker kissed his spirit wind into Adam. Wow, anybody like that? And listen to this one. This is for a, a verse, a few, few verses later on. It says, this is wordplay in the Hebrew, similar to a pun. The word for kisses and the word for take a drink of wine is nearly the same. Catch that? The word for kisses and take a drink of wine is nearly the same in Hebrew. The implication as seen by ancient expositors is that God's lovers will be drunk with his love, intoxicated by the kisses of his mouth. The Hebrew word for kiss is nashag, which can also mean to equip and to arm for battle. God wants to kiss you ready for battle this week. Come on, somebody grunt. Oh. Right, he, it's the kisses, you know, the breath and the kiss go together. The oil, the fire, the bread. Who needs to consume a bit of God this morning? Come on, God. Come on, God.